It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. We've got a hell of a week coming up. Our topic is going to be top five movie theater experiences. And as always, I'm Justin. I'm in LA. We've got Mike over in London. Yo, what's up, brother? What's up, dude? We're going to be bringing on a very special guest in a few minutes. First, we're going to quickly dive into our spotlight of the week, which is the... New movie, Mortal Kombat, based off the video game series and just released in theaters and on HBO Max. Mike, what did you think? Mortal Kombat, man. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. That's <laughs> I think that's, you know, chances are you've probably heard that already if you're listening to this podcast. But love Mortal Kombat. Uh, and it does have... It does have a lot of nods to people that like the game. You know, there's references to the finishes. There's, you know, kind of a bit about the sweep move that everybody will remember sucks when people do that to you. It's got basically all your characters and even Reptile, who's my guy, who's like a secondary character. Um, and I think the last 30 minutes is pretty fun. Um, but yeah, overall, not wasn't blown away by this film. Yeah, I think I'm in a very similar mindset with it. I... I actually will say I was pretty intrigued with like the opening where they they pretty much they start in like 17th century Japan and it's like a pretty like cool scene and then it goes to present day. But I was like, I don't know, I was intrigued in the opening 30, 40 minutes or so, obviously, and not that you expect it from a movie like this, but the acting's like not that great. And it's sort of noticeable, I think, from some of the leads, but I don't know for me. I, I do. I totally agree with you, Mike, that I think for fans of the video game, they do have a lot of nods to actual things in the video games. And in that sense, I have to give it some credit, but I wanted as someone that is a fan of the video game myself, I really wanted it to be one of those action movies. That's like it. it's so bad. It's good. Like it's, it's sort of funny, bad. And it's like, I'm having a good time with it. And for this, I felt like I was closer to just thinking it was sort of like bad and a little bit of a waste of my time. I'd still check it out if you're a fan of the games, because I think a lot of people did enjoy it that like the games. I just I was hoping we had a little bit more, a little bit more. I don't know. The last 30 minutes. It was all right. It was all right. I guess I think you liked it more than me, Mike. Well, I think to your point, it, it definitely struggles from not really having an identity, right? Like it's not like they're playing it straight up like it's a good film, but it's also not like can't be bad. It's just sort of it, it yeah, it, it feels like it's trying to be more than it is, which it reminded me a little bit of the the recent Power Rangers reboot where it's like, again, they pretty much had like all unknown actors or like, you know, guys that y you've maybe seen in like a TV show here or there. And 
a decent budget, but like, again, you sort of can tell that it's in that middle ground of we want to make this crazy epic action movie, but the acting sort of like a little bit like wooden and the budget isn't quite high enough to make this all look great. And it's just, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was pretty bad for me. I I was expecting, I was hoping for a more, a f- more fun time personally. All right. I mean, Mortal Kombat. Mortal it Kombat. Is, it is what it is. Yeah. But, but props for getting in all the characters. It was fun to see everyone on screen, but, uh, Agreed. anywho, check it out if you want. I mean, you could do worse things with two hours, but without further ado, time to get to our app. Top five movie theater experiences this is this is a topic that we have been talking about since we started the podcast like officially when we really were planning for it uh back in sort of the first half of 2020 and um for that we had to bring on i mean one of the one of the ultimate ogs recurring guest a a fan favorite obviously and you know one of our favorite people in the world my brother, Dylan Cohen. What's up, my friend? What is up, brothers? Oh, so good to have you back. It is good to be back. Um, now, I remember the last time I was here, I think, was I was I the first recurring guest the last time I was here? Or is I'm, I am I making that up? the first guest of any kind. Well, I was. I remember I was the first guest, but then I remember when I came back, you were like, "You're the first recurring guest. Will you be the first to come back for a third time?" Ooh. Did Alex beat me Alex for a third beat time? You for the third, for sure. She beat you for the Dang third, you, Alex. I know. Ugh. That's it's okay. It's okay. Hey, you know she's what? Just, she's just it, crushing she's it. crushing it. Also, you know, this is what happens. You and me, you know, we lived together growing up. Now I live with her. It's just, it's, it's. You know, these things happen. I also think that she was the first recurring guest. I don't think that was you either. <laughs> well, well, then I'm just blowing smoke and who the hell knows what I was talking Dude, about. Bro, you got to be the first one that comes on four times. Okay. You just, Alex cannot come back a fourth time. No it's a rule. <laughs> oh, um, man. No, but hey, thanks for having me back. This was, as soon as you, you know, mentioned this one to me, I, uh, I was I jumped at it. It's uh, this is a fun one, and 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 it's a great time to talk about it because just as you know, things are kind of opening up a little bit more, and you know, people are getting that itch to go back to the theater. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a great topic. Well, thank you. I I was lucky to make the trip. I might have talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, I did because we did this as one of the spotlights recently. I was lucky to finally make it back to the theater to see um, to see Godzilla versus Kong. IMAX at the Chinese and in, in Los Angeles. Mm. Oh, it felt felt like I was back home. And yeah, have have either you, Mike? Are they not back open yet in the UK? No, it's gonna be like three more weeks here. And how about over in CT though? Um, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really couldn't tell you. I it's not it's not something. Um, you know, I had thought about too too much yet. Uh, I'm you know once I'm fully vaccinated y'all yeah, start to think about that stuff but you know it's one of those things where i think everyone got a little shook up when uh you know with 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 what's going on with the movies you know hbo max releasing their entire oh, yeah uh you know all, all the freaking movies on on the, their platform it's kind of like i think that we have an opportunity here to remind the people 
of why going to the theater is so special and, and why it cannot die. And, you know, something near and dear to you and I, just, I know and living in Los Angeles is the Arclight <sighs> cinema is announcing that they want to be coming back. And it's like, I don't want any more of that news. I don't want any more of that news popping up. Uh, we we got to save the movie theater experience because there's been too many good, good experiences. You could not have said it better. And Mike, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but now that Dylan's brought it up, I do think we need to shed a light on it really quickly. So pretty much the arc light, which Dylan just mentioned, is the most beloved uh, theater franchise in Los Angeles. And the Hollywood location, which also includes the Cinerama Dome, one of the one of the last domes of that type in the world, is arguably the most beloved movie theater in the country. And unfortunately, they just, as Dylan just said, they just announced that they're just not going to be able to open back up, and everyone in LA is devastated. I, devastated. I'm still yeah, holding out hope terrible. that somehow they open back up dylan dylan actually you've been you've been keeping me optimistic because you've been like how the fuck is someone not gonna come in there and at the at the worst of course it sucks that arclight might might be no more but someone's got to buy up that specific property and open it up how could they not i'm very optimistic i'm very optimistic there's no way when you have when you have you know a-list directors you know, tweeting about it and, and, you know, causing a fuss, you know, there's no way that, uh, someone ain't coming in and seeing the business opportunity. So I have faith not only for the arc light and the dome, but I have faith for, you know, all movie theaters. I think it's, I think that a lot of, you know, with this pandemic, a lot of people are looking forward to the things that they can do once it's over. And I think a lot of people are going to be chomping at the bit to, to go to the theater, uh, once, once it's safe to do so. I think you're very right. And you know what I think the first big, big one is going to be? And I, I could not be more excited. Dune? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am excited to see that on the big screen. But I shouldn't have even <laughs> guessed. I should have just let the, uh, let the anticipation build. What is it? Only the film to save all films. June 25th, Dylan and, and Mai's mother's birthday. Fast and Furious 9. Holy oh, shit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Dom and the and the and the and the family is gonna save us all. Amazing. Oh man. So and anyway, great, great talks about theaters just now. Speaking of, that's what this whole episode is gonna be about. So getting into these lists, let's talk a little bit about how. What were our qualifications? And and I'll say what I did, and you guys tweak tweak this at all if you guys did any differently. So mm-hmm. movie theater experiences, for me, I look back through my life. I look at what my experience was going to all of these different films. And if there were ones that stood out in terms of how rowdy the crowd was or specific events that happened in the theater during the movie or even sometimes, you know, events surrounding the actual going to the movie. I took the craziest ones, my favorite memories, and I made that my top five. And there was a a few that really hurt to leave out because they also were great. But I tried to pick the five I thought most different and most out there ones. And that's that's how I picked mine, at least. Same here, really. Yeah, I mean, same. And I mostly relate to uh, 
it hurting to leave uh, a few off. I've I've been I'm looking at my list right now, and I'm still debating <laughs> putting one back in. <laughs> I mean, the oh Cohen staple. Yeah, exactly. I I I was listening to the the previous episodes, and as soon as I heard that's that was your move, I was like, "Yep, makes sense," because uh, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm you know struggling with right this. I moment. for once am not struggling on the spot, but just you know, I'm sure everyone will love to know that it wasn't all done without you know going off without a hitch. Pretty much about thirty minutes ago, I'm looking at my list pops into my head that I have just completely forgotten a legendary movie experience. So of course I had to insert it quickly and remove one to the honorables, but I at least for once feel good. I'm not actually trying to redo my list while we're sitting here talking and I'm, I'm trying to let you guys talk while I'm figuring stuff out. So, Hey, that's what happens when you get the other Cohen brother on. I get a good, (laughs) amen. Uh, but anywho, so today we're going to go me, then we're going to go Dylan, then we're going to go Mike. Uh, so I'm going to start this off with uh, a movie that was sort of shocked me that made my list, but it was such an interesting experience that I couldn't not include it. And so my number five took place in 2010 at the Regal Fenway in Boston, and it was Alice in Wonderland. Whoa, Okay. This came out, I believe it was in it was in uh, March 2010. And so it was a very it was it was the day it was coming out. My friend Kayvon and I, I mean, Kayvon's friends with all of us. So shout big shout to Kayvon. Um, we were like, we got to go see Alice in Wonderland. And I don't know why we were in, like so into it, but we were just like, yeah, let's go see this movie. And so it turns out to be one of the most torrential downpours of the year. It is just insane. Like Uber doesn't exist at this point. We're back, you know, we're back in 2010. It's like, if we wanted to go, we had to either make it to the, you know, the T, which is the subway system there or walk or, you know, do or bike or something like that. So cave and I talked to each other. We're like, we're not, not going to see this fucking movie today. And (laughs) we end up getting in, t-shirt swim shorts and flip-flops and keep in mind it is march in boston it's still pretty fucking cold and so we end up walking 45 minutes in the pouring rain both with backpacks on with changes of clothes in the middle of our towels which are wrapped around them in our backpack and we end up getting to the movie theater absolutely shivering. We both go into the bathroom, <laughs> take the towels out, wipe ourselves off, totally change into warm clothes, and just go into the movie theater and have a great time. And, and we had a delightful time watching Alice in Wonderland. I I forget if any substances were taken before watching, but <laughs> either way, it was it was very fun experience. And I just I always remember this one. Again, it's a little bit more about the surrounding events, which I'd say some of mine are more in theater what happened. But it's just it was it's too good. I always remember this and and recount this one with Cave. And it's just I had to include it. That is outrageous (laughs) in a in a in a legendary way. (laughs) The lengths that you two went to get to that theater to see Alice in Wonderland. Of all movies. 
I of all movies, I don't think I've ever even seen it, <laughs> so I can't talk that much shit on it. Um, but that just sounds like one big acid trip in itself. Um, so that's hilarious. Amen. And it's surprisingly, I'll say, surprisingly a fun movie. I wouldn't go yelling at you to go watch it, but it's uh, if it randomly's on, it's a fun, you know, two hours, however long it is. I feel like we never, never talk about Tim Burton on this podcast, but. Well, now he's shout getting out. a shout. Now he's getting a shout. Shout out Tim Burton. Um, and a big cast in that one. If you haven't seen it, Johnny Depp, Anne Hathaway, Helena Bonham Carter, Alan Rickman, Timothy Spall, big one. Uh, anyhow, number five. Okay. I'm up. I, oh man. I'm deciding to stick with the top, with the five that I had in my iPhone notes. And I'm gonna just go with it. And here we here go. He is. Number five. It came out May 15th, 2015, on our boy David Kramer's birthday. Mad Max Fury Road at the famous Hollywood Chinese Theater. Oh, amazing. Now, Josh, you were there with me. So before I continue, do you have this on your list? This or? is one of my first honorable mentions, and I'm so glad you have it. Okay, great. So uh, again, we saw it on our boy David Kramer's uh, birthday, and it was like, I want to say it was like 15 of us, and we went to the famous Chinese IMAX theater in Hollywood, and I I had been to the IMAX, I think, once prior to see um, Interstellar, which was the first movie I ever saw there, but... For this one, we just had like the best seats in the house that made you feel like you were truly immersed in it. And I had gone to other IMAXs in in my day, but I think the Chinese is my favorite IMAX. And I just remember, for those of you who have seen the movie, the opening of that movie is so intense and action-packed nonstop that I remember after that sequence was over, and I think we all said this to each other in the movie theater, I had to like take a massive deep breath because I just didn't. I don't think I was breathing properly <laughs> for for the for for the opening sequence because it's like I truly felt like I was in that movie. And for, for you know, I do love the movie Mad Max, but I think I loved the experience more. If that makes sense, like if I rewatch Mad Max Fury Road on, uh, you know, if I do a rewatch, I'll probably be like, yeah, good movie, good movie, good movie, but recapturing that experience that I felt in the theater is exactly why you go because it enhances it to a degree that sometimes it just can never be recreated. And that, that's, that was how I felt. And I just remember the, the movie experience truly blew me away. And for a movie that I wasn't that psyched to see, I walked out of the theater being very, very pumped. Oh my God. I'm so happy that you mentioned this one. And uh, truly, I can say over the course of our, at this point, lengthy time in L.A., pretty much, you know, the majority of the past decade, there's probably about five movies that stand out to me in our experience. And like Mad Max is probably at the top of that list for me. And uh, it you hit every nail on the head. That is why I go to the movies like that movie what i mean there is not many other movies i can say that are more meant for the big screen and 
also, of course, for Kramer's birthday, we like had an I mean, this is aside from the movie, but we had like this epic deep dish pizza, um, which we had before the film. And it was just such an old school like birthday party birthday party. And it was yeah. it was just and and that pizza was Masa of Echo Park, one of one of the best pizza places in L.A. But uh, it just it was so old school. It was such good old fashioned fun. It was the best. And I mean, you're so right. It's like I did watch it recently, Mad Max again. And I was like, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. so good. But I was like, I just want them to replay this in a movie theater once a year because I'd go because it's like it's so good on the big screen. And I I, it was like a high. It was like a natural high. I remember just leaving that theater. And because I remember I don't know how recently afterwards, but I think I remember being like, God, I got to get to another movie at the Chinese IMAX <laughs> ASAP. Because it was like it was like crazy, just that high from be- feeling like you're in it. But I, but Mad Max was a special it was. One. And we had like 15 people in the theater. It was great. And I have to give the quickest shout out because I didn't when we talked about Mad Max recently. And it's wrong to talk about this movie and not give this very special person a shout. Richard Morgan has definitely seen this movie more than any human being on earth. I don't even know how many people times he saw it in theaters. I think it was like seven times that he went and saw this in theaters and would just go like, I mean, went with people at times, but would like, would just be like, I'm going again and would just go alone and sit in like the front row and just be like, this is the greatest movie to watch in theaters ever. And it's like, this is, this is what this movie does to you in theaters. It's, it's, it's crack. So amazing. Great choice, dude. This probably explains why I wasn't like blown away by this movie because I just like streamed it on my laptop like a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that explains a lot. That literally explains a lot. Yeah. Uh, How dare you? I missed it. I fucked up. Yeah, but furthers our point that certain movies are meant for the big screen. Mad Max Fury Road, yeah. one of them. Yes. Great, great choice. Uh so my number five. Uh, it comes with a story that I think I started telling you, Justin, one day after we recorded the pod. Uh, but I'm, I'm taking this back to 2001, and that is The Mummy Returns. Oh, my. Which oh I saw God, in baby. Trumbull, Connecticut at what is now a bow tie. I forget what it was growing yes. up. Fuck. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, The Mummy, the original Mummy, especially when we were kids, was fucking great. And it's still pretty pretty great. We already talked about Brendan Fraser in our last episode. Big shout out. Um, so then this one came out, and I was hyped to go. It's PG-13, so I got my mom to take me. I didn't sneak in. And she took me with like one of my friends, also named Justin. Not going not gonna to put him on blast here, because we start watching the movie, and like 10 minutes in, he like freaks out, and he refuses to watch the movie because he's too scared. <laughs> I'm just getting into this movie and I like my mom makes us leave. No. Yes. And I'm like just sitting there with mommy blue balls and I'm like, what is, what is wrong with you, this kid? And I was devastated. So I think it was the next day, but it might have even been later that day. I got my mom to take me back to the theater and I yeah. went to see it again. And I was just that much more hyped to see it. And I, I definitely liked it more than it was a great film because I was just so hype. But also, the very first movie role of The Rock. And I was just a massive wrestling fan back then. And I just thought that was the coolest fucking thing ever. And I just had an absolute blast. And I'll never forget it. 
that is a great great story and i i mean this is why there aren't other justins in your life anymore because that's right you know and i feel like the reason that you're in and I, you basically said this, but like it's almost like you got something taken away from you, exactly. and then you just wanted it that much more. I really, I really did. And and shout out, you know, Adewale Ekinoye Ekbaje, Echo, another early wow. role. Oh my god! And shout out to your mom for taking you back. Yes, big shout out to my mom. mom. Big shout, big freaking shout. That's no, that's really is the best. It's like. I I'll it's in my honorables, but I had one that was like that too, where like there was a reason why I didn't get to finish the movie and had to go back and it you just it makes it so much sweeter. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. It really does. Oh, it's a great one. Great number five. Five's all around. Great number five's all around. What a strong start. Um strong start. All right. Number four. So this is the one that I swapped in today. This is the one that oh, I was like, holy shit, how did I forget about this? It's such a deep cut, too, because it's by far the earliest one on my list, personally. Sure. And so I got to take us back to 2000. The movie came out May 24th. I don't know when exactly we saw it, but it it was probably in June. Mission Impossible 2. Wow. Holy crap. At Entertainment Cinemas in Seymour, Connecticut. Seymour. Oh, my God. (laughs) For my 11th birthday, two months early, oh, because yeah. every we would go away. Dylan and me have our 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 parents have a lake house in Goshen, Connecticut, one of our favorite places on earth. And I am here right now. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and we would go there for the summers when school let out. So my birthday is August 21st, and we'd either do it before we'd leave or like right when we got back. But I think we'd usually do it before because it would be like, yeah, once we get back, everyone's trying to go to school. It's September. But anywho, we did it then. So we've got a crew. Dylan's there, obviously. We've got, you know, some of the other, you know, uh, childhood best buds. Kramer's there, of course. And um, we roll up to the movie theater and the power is just out everywhere. Just terrible. Everywhere. Oh. And it's a fucking blackout. It's a it's fucking rolling blackouts. <laughs> rolling blackouts. <laughs> uh, shout out to other episode on yeah, Victory. Shout out, shout out. Um, <laughs> and wow, great. Wow, what a tie-in. Um so we're like, what the fuck do we do? And my parents and I there was a couple other people there. There was um, he's such a, a random shout, but one of my buddies that I haven't really seen in a long, long time, Randy Riley, his mom's boyfriend at the time, who I believe his name was Drew, uh, was sort of like a bit of a hero along with my parents, pretty much the three of them and, and maybe someone else took us all to a nearby playground and we all just like were little shits and ran around for a couple hours and they were like yeah like oh was like yeah come back like we'll get you on like a later showing so of course we had to call all the moms and dads and tell them that everything was going to be later and i think like one or two people had to leave before the movie but we get back to the parking lot finally we've had a blast and I'm sure someone got hurt at the playground. I'm pretty sure they did. Um, I have vivid memories of the playground. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we vivid. get back. And 
I will post this. If if you're listening to this episode, you'll probably have already seen this picture because I will post it as part of posting for this episode. Mike, remind me because I may forget. Um, there is an epic photo that has survived pretty much all the childhood crew. Like we we always talk about this photo, people that were in it. Kramer's dad, Jack, used to have this red convertible, and we thought it was so cool. And so we all piled into this thing and took this photo that, you know, a bunch, you know, my brother's in it and Kramer's in it. Some of our other friends, uh, Larry Sequino's in it. Um, It's a great, it's a great crew, Uh, but it's a legendary photo. I'll post it. Anyway, we then finally saw the movie. We fucking had a blast. It's like, how can you not love Tom Cruise rolling around on motorcycles? I mean, the first Mission Impossible was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And and this one, while not as good as that one, it still fucking kicked ass and we had a blast. I have very fond memories of that as well. Um, I definitely cried at the playground, though. <laughs> oh, God, no. Um, but, but, but not because I was hurt or anything. <laughs> You shouted at Randy Riley. I'm going to shout him out negatively, oh, unfortunately. God. Oh, no. He bullied Larry Sequino on the playground. How dare Larry you? is my boy. And I was so fucking upset that he bullied Larry and Larry like didn't stick up for himself and just kind of like Larry was upset. And then I got upset. Uh, very like my, you know, me. I wasn't brave enough to stick up to the, the kid, Randy Riley, who was older. But I just like literally remember seeing Larry like like walk away all sad. And then I just went to a fucking, you know, on the playgrounds, like you can climb up to a little area and there's like walls. I just literally went in that area and just started crying. I just I I remember it so vividly. I was like, he he bullied Larry like what an asshole. Uh, and I was like, Randy ups- Riley, what is Randy wrong Riley? You, you bastard. Fucking you bastard, Randy, man. <laughs> Randy really was a piece of work growing up. He was definitely one of the troublemakers. And I'm sure he is a very nice individual these days, or at least I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but back then when we were kids, you bullied my boy, Larry. I was upset and I cried on the playground. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I did not even know this story and this is incredible just adds to the legend of that birthday party it does and i bet larry doesn't even know that story so larry if you listen to this i had your back when we were kids well i didn't really have your back i wasn't brave enough (laughs) but uh i was i I cared about you my man oh (laughs) big special Uh, shout out to larry We, we love larry so much one of the greats one of the greats but Boys, I'm struggling oh boy. with my number four here. Gary, this is um, so Cohen. It's it's like I'm good boys, for once. Wow. I am struggling right now because it's like, oh, God, I'm just going to talk it out. <laughs> talk like, it out talk okay. I have one that's just like <laughs> very clearly great. But then I have another that's like kind of a better story. You know what I mean? So I'm give like, what's the story? Fuck it. All right. I'm going to give the story. We want the story. Oh, swapping in what was maybe going to be my number five into my number four. This is the most Cohen thing of all time. Here we go. Wow. It was March 2nd, 2012. It was my first time visiting Justin in Los Angeles as well as David Kramer. Okay. And 
I hope that that's correct. I think it was my first. If it wasn't my first, it was my second. No, it was your first. It was your first. Okay. And it was also my first time at at the Dome at the Arclight. And what we did (laughs) to think about now is the most ridiculous thing of all time. The movie is Project X, which for those of you who have seen it, just know it's one big party. And not just a party, it's a rager. I mean, it's, and that's what the movie is. It's a fun party movie where you just feel, feel, feel it. You feel the rage. And us all being from Connecticut, uh, I think that we grew up just sneaking brewskis into theaters. And that's what you did in Connecticut. And uh, a, a light beer of choice was Keystone Light. That's what we drank in Connecticut. CT203. And yeah, you drink some Stonies, and that's what you do in CT203. So I just remember me, Justin, and Kramer all grew up together. Justin's my actual brother. Kramer is my brother from another mother, as, as are you, Mike. And, you know, the three of us are, I'm like on vacation. So the boys want to show me a good time. And they're like, I was like, boys, like, I want to like party with you. I want to like drink. What do we, what do we do? They're like, we'll just bring some Keystone lights into the theater and just get fucked up at the dome watching project X. I was like, sounds great to me. I just remember Kramer took a backpack full of Keystone <laughs> lights. We are all at this Epic dome that I've never been to or heard of. And now that I know what the dome is after having done this, I'm just like, how in the world did we sneak in Keystone lights and just get, drunk in the movie theater um but the three of us proceeded to uh just drink keystone lights throughout this entire movie get a nice buzz on and it was i still to this day think it's one of the funniest things of all time because of how of high regard i hold the dome as like a movie theater going experience (laughs) and that was my first ever dome experience and we did the most connecticut thing of all time (laughs) baby only way to break it in only way to break it in, drinking some Keystone Lights. It's it is so funny. First of all, I this is why I love this because I sort of have a terrible. I have at times a terrible memory, and I had totally mm-hmm. forgotten about that. A hundred percent would would have at the least made my honorables, and I'm so happy that you brought it because that truly was, dude, one of the most fun movie theater experiences. Like, yeah, and I just think it's so funny because another thing to kind of just give a backstory on is I was so to give everyone a perspective is like Justin and Kramer had just moved to Los Angeles and like weren't financially stable yet and I was still a college kid just looking to go visit them for spring break and have a good time it was March 2nd that's my spring break when I was in college and so I, I get to LA and like Justin's working, Kramer's looking for work and I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck am I supposed to do, boys? And they're like, I don't know, you you decided to come here and I, I had this quote and I go, they, Kramer goes to me, he goes, Dylan, what did you think we were going to be doing? And I go, I thought we were going to be drinking Koronskis on the beach. And and I Kramer always says that line to me. And I think as his way of like showing me a good time and making up for not drinking Coronas on the beach, he was like, okay, we'll bring Keystone Lights to the movie theater. That's a, that's that's what we'll do for you. So it was just a hilarious uh, experience altogether. Wow. Big, big shout out to Keith Stone. I yeah. mean... Legend. Oh my god. It was so, so, so fun. And like truly, I forgot about Project X. That movie is so much fun. Like, if you just want to get so amped fun. up one night, it's like you you're with the boys, you want to have a good time, just put Project X on in the background. It brings yeah. all of the old school, high school, like 
party feels and no better movie ever to drink Keystone Lights to in the theater. Like, (laughs) also, dude, it's so funny because I haven't reflected on it in so long. It is the funniest thing of all time that we not only snuck in Keystones, but we did it at the Dome the most like prestigious movie theater in the in maybe in the world and like and like honestly i think the best but like and yes it's just insane like that's why it is the funniest because like i said looking back now it's the theater i regard as the greatest movie theater right yes and it's we like i'm not gonna we definitely didn't disrespect it if anything we freaking respected it by 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 making it our bar but like it's the funniest thing of all time that we did that at the dome of all theaters it's like if you do that in connecticut at seymour cinemas yeah yeah if you didn't do it i'd be disappointed in you you know what i mean but it's like the dome in hollywood the theater that directors like quentin tarantino demand that their movies premiere at you know so funny like uh, unreal unreal like we we crushed it we fucking broke it in and so happy that you swapped this one in this is this Me is too. why we do this sometimes as Cohen's. We get we, it. It was, it was the better story. The other one I have is great, and I will mention it in my honorables if you don't mention it first, because I it could be on yours. Um, but it will be in my honorables if not. So uh, don't worry, don't worry, fans. Okay, you'll know what my number four was originally. If funny enough, now okay. that you're saying it, I just want to ask this, and we're going to revisit this at the end. Is it a movie okay. we saw together in L.A.? No. Okay. Okay, moving on, Mike. All right, closing out number fours here. Uh, 2004, we are talking Anchorman. Yes. The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Wow, okay. Yes. Okay. Now, I will tell you right now, I have absolutely no clue where I saw this film. (laughs) This this came out in the summer of 2004, and I'm, I'm from a big camping family. And we were we were maybe like Lake George is a place that we would go a lot, like just various places in the Northeast. I have no idea where I was, but eventually I got bored, and me and uh, one of my cousins went to like the oldest, like shittiest theater you could ever imagine. I think like a single screen place. Maybe it was slightly bigger because it's a little while back now, so I can't remember. But like really bad, and. I've been pretty lucky, at least in terms of like projectors uh, in my life. And now that everything's digital, you have less of a chance of getting something fucked up. But like, as soon as this movie came on, there's literally just like a green line down the middle of the fucking screen. And I was like furious. I was like, what the fuck is this place? Like, where are we? And why are we here? Fuck this. And then Anchorman comes on. And I, like most people at the time, was just not fucking ready for it. <laughs> it was just so absurd. And I, and I was just like, it's maybe like two in the afternoon. And I was just losing my fucking mind at how ridiculous <laughs> and awesome this movie was. And so were like the other eight people in the theater. It wasn't quite amazing because it was just <laughs> like so few people there. But just no one was ready for how great this movie was. And it just, just incredible experience despite all all other uh reasons why i shouldn't have enjoyed it then walk out get a full refund for having watched anchorman because it was a fucked up projection yes. and just keep on living my best life great day just a great day oh that's a that's what you call a win-win okay that's right 
That is indeed a win-win. And wow, I I actually have a confession to make about Anchorman, which whoa. No, you, you, you it's 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 a happy ending. It's a it's a sad okay. beginning. So I saw Anchorman in theaters and I I didn't get it. I like I mean it was it was such a new brand of humor at the time and I was like I don't I don't really like I don't think I really like this this Will Ferrell style of of comedy and it's I mean I was a complete fucking idiot because I revisited the film the second it came on DVD it was like you know some people wanted to watch it and I I'm dying laughing I now consider it one of the five greatest comedies ever ever made and mm-hmm. It, but it's truly probably the movie above all movies that I didn't love at first that now I hold in such high esteem, like truly the biggest like 180 of any movie I've ever seen. It's 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 the one of the most genius movies of all time, I think, comedy wise. 100 percent because it was a game changer. Yep. Like you said, it, it was such a game changer that it, you, you, you thought you didn't like it because it was just so different from what you ever expected and for someone to have a vision like that and to be able to execute it how they did and just believe in it it takes guts Mm -hmm. and they knocked it out of the freaking park so yeah props to what what, will ferrell and adam mckay right adam mckay yeah yeah that was when they first teamed up and judd apatow was involved as well i believe on a uh what the heck did he do on that was he just a producer i mean that was on his road to becoming the king of comedies for quite a while he, uh, I'm looking it up right now. Okay, yeah, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay wrote it, and Adam McKay directed it, but uh, Apatow was uh, the producer. Okay, I love it. Oh, dude, what a fucking, what a fucking experience that must have been, Mike. It, it was just incredible. I just, a day I'll never forget, I and mean, a movie I'll also never forget. No, how now, Brown Cow? Um, mm-hmm. we could. Those go. are all great stories, all great story ones for us. That was a good four. Hey, I'm not trying to like pat ourselves on the back too much, but we've been killing it so far. Let's keep it rolling, baby. Let's keep it going. Yeah, that's it. Let's go. All right, number three. This is a big one for me in terms of story. I'd say it might be the most outrageous. Might be the most outrageous of all the stories. So, gonna take us again back to the college years. 2010. Specifically, October... 15th 2010 so with that said that's the friday this movie came out we went to the thursday midnight showing jackass 3d so wow at the regal fenway rich morgan who i shouted out earlier for the mad max he's you know one of my great friends uh and one of my best friends growing up elliot morgan his older brother and he came. He was coming to visit quite a bit around this time. He drove up for this because, of course, all us guys love the fucking Jackass films. Zach was there as well, you know, who writes our wonderful theme song. I don't remember, Mike. I don't think were you there? Honestly, I don't remember. I don't know if I don't know who else was there, but I know a few other of the main Boston crew was there with us that that night. But definitely Rich, definitely Zach. So it's a Thursday night. I forget the name of the bar even, but there was a bar nearby that would do deals on Thursday, like a college deal thing. So we all went there, got fucked up. 
and we are just i mean we are sauced i'm probably one of the drunkest i've ever been going to the movies and <laughs> we roll up at like 11:30 to the theater you know we get in and we probably get into the actual theater because this is, you know, still at the time when going to a midnight movie was a big thing. You know, they didn't do them at like 7 p.m. like they do now is you go at midnight if you want to go. And we get in the theater probably around 1145 and it's already pretty full because it was sold out. And <laughs> we just get in and it smells just terribly of puke. And we're just like, what is going on? And so... Where we're sitting, we pretty much Rich starts talking to a couple rows behind us, which is where we're pretty sure this is all coming from. And it ends up that, you know, one of the guys, everyone was college kids, everyone was drunk. And one of the kids, of course, was too drunk, had puked. There was puke all over one of the rows. And so rows and rows were just like clearing out and everyone was trying to like stay away from it because it was it was like a lot and it was such a bad stench. And oh, God, it's horrendous. But we're all sort of laughing at the same time because everyone's drunk. Everyone's like, ah, fucking before the movie, before a movie like Jack has Jack has type of movie, you should puke during the movie if you're going to puke. And so we're all like laughing it up. We find out like I think I could be wrong. Rich, I think would probably remember. I think the kid's name was Tom. We're just going to go with that. And we're, we're all like, we're all like, this poor kid is going to fucking get kicked out of the theater. Like, we just wanted the, the the employees to come in and clean it up, of course. And so they finally come in and they block off a couple rows. They start cleaning it up and <laughs> they are kicking the kid out. And as the kid, we're all like, no, no, don't take Tom from us. And the whole theater starts a Tom chant. And is just like chanting for this guy to like be able to stay. He wasn't able to stay. And we ended up like becoming not really buddies, but for the for the duration of the movie became sort of buddies with Tom's friends. And uh, I mean, the Jackass films of all films ever are up there for my favorite series to ever see in theaters. And it's uh, Jackass 3D is actually my least favorite of the three. I think they're all great. But this experience, it was just so outrageous, like college crowd. Everyone went nuts the whole movie. Like there's no better films to see, I think, in the theater, like for a laugh than those movies. It's like everyone's reactions are hilarious. But just to start it off in such a hysterical way where the whole theater sort of bonded over this communal it smells like shit in here. We need it cleaned up. But we also don't want Tom to get kicked out because he seems like a nice guy and he really just wants to see Jackass 3D. And even our chant, sadly, did not stop them and did not save Tom. But it was a legendary night indeed. But the stench was cleared, yes? It was thankfully cleared like five minutes before it started. Thank oh, God. Thank, thank God. But yeah. Poor Tom. And Tom, you know, I'm sure you're listening to this podcast out there somewhere and uh i hope i hope you got to see jackass three at some point in your life buddy <laughs> oh too good too good anyway that's number three mike any comment before i move on to my three no i mean just just big big shout out to the heroes of the story the theater employees <laughs> yeah. for coming in. <laughs> okay well my number three is probably the most special one to me the one that gives me the most feels it was August 17th, 2007. 
I had just turned 15. And as, as, as we all know, 15-year-olds are not allowed in rated R movies. So what did us 15-year-old teenagers have to do? We had to sneak in to rated R movies. And that is an experience that I think give, would give all three of us nostalgia. Um, and so in the summer, as Justin mentioned earlier, he and I were in this the small town of Goshen, Connecticut, and we had this one theater in Torrington. And I, uh, I went to the theater with uh, one of my guy friends and two of my girlfriends, and we were all 15, and we snuck in to see Superbad. And um, it was not only the, the feeling of the, the, the thrill of having to sneak in to a radar movie, you know, the classic scheme was you bought a ticket to a random PG-13 or PG movie, and then you all went in that theater, went to the bathroom and then snuck into the rated R one. And everyone who sees these kids walk in and are always like, Oh, they're clearly sneaking in. But thankfully, if you go to a chill theater with chill employees, no one will give you too hard of a time. Thankfully, we didn't have any problems. We got to see the movie and it was probably the hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life. I remember one of the girls that we were with, she just was basically in my ear telling me to shut the fuck up because I, she was like, you're laughing like a goddamn hyena. I was like, I'm sorry. I can't help it. I just, that movie, that movie changed, honestly had a lot. And the reason why it's so near and dear to my heart is because it had a massive, massive impact on me. So not only was the experience of sneaking into the theater and the, you know, the adrenaline of that, um, you know, enhancing my experience, but the movie itself had such a massive impact on me. I was in high school at the time, right? And I'm basically seeing a movie about kids my age, and I related to to them. I related to the movie. I, they were like outsiders. They didn't really have a click. They were, you know, they weren't smooth talkers with the ladies. And I just related to that movie on such a deep level that honestly it helped me get through high school in a, in a way. And I, 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 cause I related to them so much and I felt like, you know, I was on that same journey as Seth Evan and Fogel for you super bad fans. And not only did it affect me as far as helping me get through high school and just giving me a good laugh and being able to laugh at myself for all the issues that they were going through. And I think that's why I was laughing so hard because of how much I was like, this is my life. Um, but also, you know, I am, um, for my career, I, I'm, a, I'm a screenwriter and I'm pursuing a career as a writer in TV and film. And I think that I was, you know, I still am finding my voice, but I think that seeing a movie like that allowed me to be like, okay, there's guys like Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg out there who are just kind of your normal guys who grew up with a life like me and they're writing about those experiences. I don't have to come up with these wild, crazy stories. I can just kind of tell my own story and and i'm seeing seth and evan do that with theirs and i don't know it it inspired me it made me laugh and of course it gave me the thrill so it was like a triple threat for me and it's it's a really important movie going experience that's that's a great pick and i also remember when i saw it and it was easily one of the hardest i've ever laughed yeah and i i didn't have a great read like just from the trailer about it and like one of my friends saw it first and was like oh man, there's this whole thing about like drawing dicks. And I was like, what? Drawing dicks? <laughs> and then like, I just went to see it and absolutely lost it. And that was like, basically when Justin and I would have been graduating high school. So it was also very uh, meaningful 
to us, I'm sure. And just, just a great theater experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I all around with what everything that's been said and Mike, what you just said, yeah, it could not have been more meaningful when it came out for you and me specifically with grad, you know, we had just graduated and one of the, one of that's on my honorables, one of the greatest movie theater experiences of all time. I mean, I think for anyone that is our age range, how could it not? It's one of all three of us are saying right now, it's one of the hardest we've ever laughed in theaters. Like, again, mm-hmm. like there's certain lines you'll never forget. You'll never forget the scratching, you know, my back line. Never. Like I have vivid memories of like friends cackling Elliot Morgan, like louder than I've ever heard in my life. And just, yeah, yeah. I, I might've seen super bad. I think I saw it back to back days. It was, I think, I think, well, I remember specifically just, uh-huh. we were at a, um, we were at one of your graduation parties at a JP Culligan's house mm-hmm. and you all had seen it the night before and you were losing your minds, and I was like, I, I should, probably should have told that uh, in in the uh, in the intro to to this. But I remember being like quietly sitting there and being like, I have to see this fucking oh my movie. God, yes. And then and then I went back to to Goshen, and I remember telling all my friends like, guys, my brother and his friends said this is the funniest movie of all time. Like, this is the one we sneak into. Like, let's do it. And I also should have probably prefaced like me cackling like a hyena. My 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 friend, she told me to shut up, not because like she didn't want me to be laughing. It was because like we were not supposed to be there, so she didn't want me to attract so much attention to myself. But I was like, I can't help it. Um, so yeah, it's just and and for you guys, you were graduating. For me, I w- I still had two two years of high school, so or two or three, you know, uh, three. So it's it shaped my high school. You know what I mean? Um, you guys were already out. It, it, you, it just probably reminded you. For me, it like shaped it. Oh my god! See, and both sides of that is just unbelievable. Yeah, just holy shit. Honestly, a, a bit of an underrated opening to a film that it doesn't get talked about that much. Like oh, yeah. just the opening scene of them talking about like the porn sites yes. on the phone in the car. Yes. It just like immediately announces like this is going to be a fucking blast. Oh, dude! One time, me and one of my best friends growing up, John Coco. Shout out John Coco. Um, on our way, we were both on the track team and literally on our way back from a track meet, it was like, I think it was like we, we had gone a long ways and it was like an hour to an hour and a half bus ride back. Me and John Coco just sat, you remember bus rides, you just sat in the same seat together and we just quoted the entire movie front to back, just the two of us sitting next to each other and we're like, oh, great bus ride, J- just for no good reason besides we were that obsessed with every single aspect of it. But yeah, so... That movie, from the moment I saw it in movie theaters to now, is one of the most important movies uh, for me. Uh, just incredible fucking pick. Everything you said about it, man, and f- to the personal aspects for you, like Super Bad. It would be a crime if Super Bad wasn't in this discussion in some way. And so, mm-hmm. I think that's one that all three of us can just. Uh, agree with wholeheartedly so much unreal for sure and the last thing i'll say about it is that like that that is a movie that just reminds you again what seeing something like a comedy with a bunch of people can do um because you know if you watch a comedy by yourself you're gonna laugh but you're not gonna like feel that energy with the rest of the crowd 
So again, I can't wait to get back in the theater for, for, for those, you know, epic comedies so I can, we can all laugh together. You said it best brother, Michael. All right. My number three, taking it in a bit of a different direction. Uh, this classic is... Mike, classic Mike. Is he going in some no. crazy? <laughs> I've been waiting for the crazy Mike to come out. <laughs> this is I've been waiting for the none crazy of my Mike picks. None of my picks are crazy. I promise. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll believe it. Us this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. All I said was I'm taking a different direction from super. You're gonna, you're gonna pick some like black and white film that like came, that came out in like 3D as like a, as a refurbished freaking. <laughs> I actually went back in time. (laughs) (laughs) I'd probably deserve that though. Okay. So my number three is 2002's hero, a a gently martial arts movie. Wait, wait, this is definitely a mic pick. This is definitely a mic pick. (laughs) Oh my God. It's not black and white. (laughs) Oh, but in 2002 to go see hero, with Jet Li. I mean, I remember it, but like it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a dark horse pick right there. Let's let him finish. Well, I want to hear the story. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's I'll hear explain it. it. Well, there's not there's not too much of a story with this, but <laughs> it's I mean, well, first of all, we talked about, you know, Cradle to the Grave. R.I.P. DMX. R.I.P. DMX, goddammit. Uh Kiss of the Dragon, fucking Romeo Must Die. I love Jet Li. Mm-hmm. Uh and I just loved all martial arts movies growing up. And this is, I wanna say I want to say that Crouching Tiger is maybe like 2000. So this is like pretty early on in sort of this style of martial arts movies, at least coming to the States. So anyway, so I went to see this and literally from the very beginning of the movie, and I did mention this briefly on our related episode, I was almost crying. It was so beautiful. Like that first fight scene that he has like in the rain um, with, uh, I think it's Sky is the character's name. Uh, Don, big shout out Donnie Yen, obviously. But um, yeah, and then the rest of the movie plays out and there's like four or five different scenes that are basically just dedicated to colors um, that are just completely full of different colors. There's a yellow one, a blue one, a white one, a red one. And then there's this like this this kind of tragic love story combined with this, um, you know, basically Jet Li's character we kind of know is, is going to die at the end, but it's all like, you know, what he'll do for his country um, and sort of laying down his life to do it. And it's just a beautifully shot movie. Um, and, it, and I was expecting just to see sort of another like Romeo must die sort of thing. And this really kind of opened my eyes um, to to both what uh, martial arts can do. And, and obviously, Dale, you and I are big fans of martial arts in general. Yes. Um, but then also just the cinematography is, is fucking incredible. And this really helped me get more into film because it really blew me away. Okay, I like that. I really like that too. It absolutely was a Mike pick. He gave a Mike Wildcard pick and he and he and he swayed us to as, to, to appreciate it. As he, as he does, does always. Yeah. Oh that was great. I feel validated. <laughs> as you should. As you should. Also like incredible honestly on both of your both of your picks while Mike, you pivoted a bit in terms of like type of movie, they both similarly were a big piece of your cinema love. For sure. Facts. So a great picks all around. And and we're through number three. That means we're at number two. Holy shit. Let's do it. So all right. Number two. This is one of my for, for me, like the person that I went with uh to this movie, we like talk about this probably every time we see each other. 
And again, bringing it back to the to the Boston University college days, 2011, more specifically, April 29th, 2011, which yep, means that you were about to graduate. We were about to graduate, truly about to graduate. So school, it was fuck all. We were done. And we went on April 28th. We went to the midnight showing at the AMC Boston Commons on the big fucking screen there that I think at that point was already an IMAX fast five with Dan Hatton, who besides myself may be the other biggest fast and furious fan I know. And I mean, if you know me, you know, that the fast and the furious, the whole series, one of my, one of my favorite series of all time. It's so fucking ridiculous, but I love it so much. And it kicked into a whole nother gear with five, obviously. Oh, yeah. You know, that's when The Rock came into play. And I've already gone down my road with with my thoughts on how The Rock's been handling himself recently with the franchise. But I'll avoid that today because he fucking kills it in Fast Five, as does everyone. Paul Walker, rest in peace. Vin Diesel, the rest of the crew, the Familia. Anyways. Midnight movie. This this movie's it's pretty it's it's not crazy long, but it's over two hours. It's an hour and thir- it's uh two hours and ten minutes. And so, you know, we go to the theater, starts at midnight. Everyone is just rowdy. Like this is like this is a big theater. So I think it held like seven hundred people or something, at least five hundred people. And so it is rowdy. It's sold out. There's like there's people like dressed up like as things. It was insane and like rowdy. If you can think of like the rowdiest movie you've been in, this was up there. Everyone yelling stuff. So anyway, of course you have like 25 minutes of previews. So it's like 1230 movie starts place goes nuts. And we're about probably an hour and a half into the film. So there's about 40 minutes left. And all of a sudden, the screen just freezes. And for about five minutes, the same loop of like one second of dialogue keeps going again and again and again and again to the point where then people start going nuts and start throwing all their food and drinks at the fucking screen, which... Of Jeez. course, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't think that's cool. Like obviously later you fucks, like I'm going to have to look at the stupid, uh, you know, the stupid drink stains on the screen, but it was just outrageous at the time. And me and Dan were just losing it, laughing and going crazy. Dan was like yelling like funny lines and like everyone was yelling shit. So they end up coming into the theater. One of the employees or two of the employees and they say, you know, we're so sorry the projector, there's an issue, and we literally, we cannot start the movie from the point you guys are at. We The only way to get rid of that issue was we had to rewind it like 30 to 45 minutes earlier in the film. And so if you don't want to stay, you can totally leave, but we're going to give everyone two free movie tickets. Whether or not you stay, you're getting them. And so some people left because they're like, I don't want to fuck. You know, it's already at this point, it's like two in the morning. 
they've been dealing with this issue for a while, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So some people left. Of course, Dan and I weren't going fucking anywhere. It's the fucking opening night of Fast Five. And so movie starts back up. You know, we watch like 30, 45 minutes of the movie again. We back get back to the spot. It makes it through. We all are cheering. And it fucking freezes again, like 15 minutes after that point. Thankfully, after about five minutes, they were able to unfreeze it and everything was fine. But we did not get out of that movie until about four in the morning. We got two free ticket vouchers. Argue, I'd say one of the rowdiest crowds I've ever encountered in a movie theater. Like when I say there were hundreds of people throwing shit at the screen, I don't mean that five people threw stuff. I mean, there was like a hundred people that threw shit at the screen. It was like, it was like a fucking, it was insane. It was insane. But Dan and I always laugh about it. I always see the fast movies, the first showing, opening, whatever. Some of them are in my honorables otherwise, but but five will always stand out to me the most because it was just it was on another level. The energy in that place and the four hour experience. Yeah, I uh, first of all, uh, sounds very Boston for everyone to uh, get that rowdy and throw shit at the screen. Um, But uh, reveal time. The number four pick that I switched out for Project X and put on my honorables was Fast Five. So way I'm I'm glad I swapped it out. I I had a feeling you'd have it, so that was another reason why I was tinkering with it. Wow. Um, But you know, I saw it because of you because you know I too loved I loved Fast I I loved the first two and then I didn't really love Tokyo. The fourth I was like okay, and then I remember you specifically telling me how good Fast Five was. And I had to convince my boys, John Coco, who I mentioned earlier, and then my other high school buddy, Brian Kernan, I had to convince them to go see it with me at Seymour Cinemas. And they were like, dude, we're going, what? Fast and the Furious? Like, how many of these movies we got? I'm like, dude, guys, trust me. Justin says it's amazing. And I just remember the three of us thought it was like the most fun we'd ever had at the theater because it was so fun and rowdy and everything you said. Uh, it, it totally revitalized the franchise. And now, uh, now they're going to space soon. So there you go. Love it. Um, I will keep uh, going here with my number two. Wow. Here we are. Okay. July 20th, 2012, one day before my birthday. And we, I did see it on the day, the opening day. And it is the dark night rises. Yes. Yeah. So I love the dark night series. Um, and the dark Knight. I just remember thinking it was one of the greatest, you know, it is the greatest superhero movie of all time. And I just remember the anticipation for dark Knight rises was so massive. And me and one of my best friends here, as well as Justin, Troy Kerwin, um, he wanted to see it with me and we both wanted to see it, but he, he's from New York and was used to like the IMAX already this was at a time where IMAX wasn't like that prevalent everywhere yet. So in Connecticut, they'd only just recently opened like the first IMAX, which was in Milford, Connecticut. And it was at a theater that Justin and I did frequent. Um, but I had not been yet. So, uh, my buddy Troy was like, dude, like this deserves IMAX. Are there any IMAXs in Connecticut? I was like, funny enough, there are like, there's one in Milford. Um, let's, let's do it. 
And it was such a, um, you know, in high demand that something that Connecticut had never done um, was they were basically selling assigned seats. And that's something I'm used to in Los Angeles, but never in Connecticut. Never. And they were doing it because of how high demand the the, the movie was. And the, and Troy and I looked it up, and the, the movie was so pretty much almost sold out that there was no way we could even sit with each other. It was the only thing that we found that was sufficient was him sitting in one row and me sitting literally right behind him. And I was like, screw it. Let's do it. And I just remember both he and I were so jazzed up that we didn't care. We were just like, we want to be in the IMAX, see it in the best experience possible. And we drove to Milford. We we saw the movie. And I just remember feeling all of that epicness. And it was worth it. It was worth the drive. It was worth not sitting with my boy. It was just, it was an unbelievable movie experience and an epic uh, conclusion to the Dark Knight series. And I just remember feeling how, how super bad, like kind of, um, uh, you know, t- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like changed my cinematic experience for a comedy. I think the dark Knight rises changed my cinematic experience for like, a, an epic drama, um, of, you know, of epic proportions. And it, cause I just felt like, wow, like overwhelmed with just the emotions that, um, that movie theater experience brought, brought me bro. Fucking legendary obviously one of my first honorable mentions and i just need to mirror your excitement and and just sort of give my take on it for a hot second so like i saw it opening night as well on the actual friday and with my buddy another bu legend freddie obreck who was visiting out in la at the time and he was a big big dark knight fan and so we went we had an amazing time, but on if you know, for the historians out there, unfortunately, you know, the night before on the Thursday had been the Aurora, Colorado shooting, yeah. which was was very sad, and and I'm not gonna say it put a damper on it as like that's like it was just a terrible event, and it it made it a little bit like. I don't know it it changed it ever so slightly, but like with that said, it didn't take away any of the hype of seeing it. It was like the greatest thing ever seeing it. I'll never forget. Like, I I mean, one of the greatest movie endings ever, but uh, it right along with the, the dark Knight as well. But like, I'll never forget. I think two days later, maybe a couple days, maybe a day or two later, a bigger crew, including Kramer. Like we were like, I was like, we have like, I need to see this again in the theaters. It was so fucking incredible. Like the crowd was insane. Like the ending is amazing. So we go to the Grove. Uh, the first time we had seen it, the Universal IMAX, which is one of the last real IMAXs left in the country. But then we go to the Grove, big screen. We're sitting in like the front row of like a balcony section, and I'll never fucking forget. The final montage, you know, it's got the music, it's got it's got everything. And you obviously you get that reveal that it's giving me chills right now saying it, but you get the reveal. Spoiler alert, if somebody have not seen it, that, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne, he's still alive. And where is he still again? Paris, isn't he in Paris or something? He's somewhere in Europe. But yeah, I'm actually in the middle of a rewatch right now because it got released on HBO Max. I'll know know soon enough. (laughs) And so I'll just never, ever forget when you see Alfred 
sitting and he looks up from his from his coffee or whatever he's drinking and he sees Bruce sitting against and he nods his head at him and the entire theater just erupts like a roar, like a roar that I've only heard a few times in my life. And two of them were when I saw The Dark Knight Rises in the same weekend. And as then it goes to the thing where what is it, Robin? uh, You find out you find out in that last sequence that Joseph Gordon-Levitt, that he has his real name is actually Robin. And then he ends up finding the Batcave and it like goes up and just ends. And I will never forget David fucking Kramer, who has had so many shout outs this episode, as he should, <laughs> literally catapults out of his seat and just goes, holy fucking shit, that was so fucking epic. And just yells <laughs> and the place just goes nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, it was. Wow. You just got me so so fucking riled up, bro. Love it. Well, we know what Mike thinks of the Dark Knight. Yeah, well, sadly, I haven't seen this one, right? Because I've only did not really care wow. for the first one. Wow. So. Yeah, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. This could I'll get, I'll get there. Bows could be thrown between Dylan and Mike if this this went deeper. <laughs> um, but you know, it's uh, it's one of the big tragedies that Mike does not understand the greatness of the Dark Knight. One Maybe day. I'll come around. <laughs> did we just? Did Mike? we just? Did we lose you, buddy? Did we just take Mike out? Oh shit, we did lose him. I think the Dark Knight fucked the him Dark up too Knight much. Literally, it literally caused like a conniption that he couldn't handle. The Dark Knight got word. Bruce Wayne found out that Mike Viola doesn't like the Dark Knight, and literally jumped into the internet. <laughs> yes, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, I truly out think of the podcast. The power of the Dark Knight just kicked Mike out of the podcast. 100%. He's literally gone. He's literally gone. He just disappeared from my screen, and he's gone. What a fucking disaster! Oh, that was almost gave me a heart attack. That was that was insane. We almost just lost the episode. Uh, Good but, God! But we didn't, and we're okay. back. We are fucking back. Fucking Mike's gonna give us his number two. Number two. Yeah, and. I'm, I'm again taking it in a bit of a different direction. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking classic. Which is 1939. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It is 2005's Saw 2. Ooh. Oh, so uh, we, we already know how much I love horror films. I was really, really happy with the first Saw. Um, and obviously... I don't even want to say it, but at the end of the first Saw, there's quite a big twist that had people riled up. And basically, immediately after like a week of being in theaters, they said gave a green light to Saw 2 because it was a phenomenon. Top five twist of all time. Saying it right Definitely. There. Definitely. So I obviously was very stoked for Saw 2. And, and just like everybody, you know, you were kind of wondering like, you know, is there going to be another like massive twist? So I went also to Seymour, which is just hilarious. Yes. Um, with Amazing. my cousin, Sal. Big shout out to Sal. Sal, Sal. Huge yes. shout out, Sal. And yeah, so we were just super stoked. And, and you know, again, it's like you, you kind of know that some shit is going to go down. But at the same time, I didn't see it at all. 
And the twist at the end of this one is it's less surprising because of the first one, but it might be bigger. I'm not sure, but it's definitely up there. And when the twist happens, I won't even say what it is, but shout out Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, <laughs> Sal and I lost our fucking shit and we were <laughs> running around the theater. We <laughs> jumped out of our seats like over a railing and we were just running like all <laughs> over the theater, losing our fucking minds. And it was like part, part of the twists, like obviously like being cool, like for the movie, but then just like pure joy about like knowing we were going to get tricked and still 100% falling for it. And just like a kudos to the filmmakers, just losing our fucking minds in the theater along with everybody else. One of my favorite memories. That epic. is legendary. My question was going to be, were there other people in the theater? And it sounds like yes, which makes that even more hilarious that you ran around. We were like running like down like, you know, like the little entrance way to like oh, the, yeah. we were everywhere. We were losing it. It was just and then everyone was losing it because we were losing it. And it was just incredible. That is fucking epic. And for and I love who would know? I, yeah, I love that you had a horror pick because I feel like, you know, every genre brings its own something for that movie going experience. Right. And I feel like horror is one we haven't touched on yet. But yeah, if you see a great horror in the theater, it's it's like, oof, that that's a special feeling, too. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. Too. That's exactly it. I mean, I can't believe we haven't had more, but it's it's one of the classic theater genres that can just get great reactions for everybody. Yeah. A hundred percent. Those big scream moments when the whole theater just fucking jumps out and just like shrieking together. It's just, it's like, it's like a laugh or a comedy, but the op, you know, yep. it's, it's great. Absolutely. And, and a hundred percent, like, especially for Mike and me, we're both big fans of horror. So I'm glad that it's finally represented on the list. Um, great pick. Wow. Number one. We're here. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for big things here, gentlemen. Um, I'm wondering if you and I are going to have the same one. I'm already calling the possibility of it. I would be not surprised at all because I will say when when this list, when this topic was brought, there was one experience, one movie. I mean, there was just, I started, that was number one. I worked from there. There was no (laughs) fucking question. It very well might be the same. Okay. So... I will start by just saying there will I am positive for the rest of my life. There will never be an experience like this in a movie theater and Internet hype has never been so high about a movie. Internet hype made this movie. Oh, my God. Are we talking about the same? I can't even believe this. We 100 percent. I already know I have the same one. If we oh all three have the no. same one. This will be absolutely no oh solid, Wait, this will Holy be the first ever in the pod history. Holy shit. Oh, my God. August 18th, 2006. Nope. Nope. Maybe Not for, for me. Mike, though. No, no. I'm, I'm going to be quiet. Okay. Bringing it back to my ultimate OG theater, which Dylan already has mentioned, the Connecticut Post Mall in Milford. That's where I saw it, too. Oh, my God. We were supposed to have been there to get We were in the same theater opening night. <laughs> Snakes on a plane. <laughs> this is insane we might have literally been in the same Wait, theater. this might we might have just figured out on the pod that we were in the same theater it was like it was like a 10 p.m showing 
on I think it was like the night before. Like the Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Dude, we must like have where they gave away like promotional posters and stuff. Maybe. And and there was <sighs> yes, and there was like dude, there was it was a fully sold out theater. Fully sold out. Um dude, this had to be the same theater. There was only one. This is fucking unreal. And oh even the, the theater, the post was like relatively new. Relatively new. And this was their biggest, one of their biggest screens in there. It held like, I think it was like 500 people. Like it had like the the part at the very beginning and then it had the regular stadium and then it had like a few more rows even after that. Yes. And Okay, sorry. Go, go. Holy shit. Is this also your number one? Yes. Oh my God. All right. We'll just tag team it. So, all right. I'll start. So like, this movie opens up internet hype literally made this movie like Samuel snakes on a plane. Also just for anyone that doesn't know this from other episodes of the pod, my only true fear in life is snakes. I have an irrational fear, but I also have an irrational love for Samuel L. Jackson and anything he does. So the thought of Samuel fighting snakes on a plane just sounded like the greatest thing of all time. So this movie comes out a few days before my birthday, by the way. And me, Kramer, our friend Taylor Tedesco, I believe her dad, like I think JP might might have been there, a bunch of our crew, we bought out almost the entire front row of the of the final balcony section. So of like those last few rows. And we bought out the whole thing. Theaters packed. Like one of my other buddies, Alex Mendelson, is there with some of his friends, like further up in the theater, and we figure it out before the movie starts. And so the energy in this room, it was on another level. It was I have never in my life seen anything like it. Everyone was fucking talking to each other before the movie started. Lights dim, previews play. Movie starts. Opening frame. It's two girls in bikinis, like running on the beach. The place goes nuts. Just cheering, <laughs> going insane. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson's name comes on the screen and the place roars. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was insane. The place is shaking in the opening credits. Every fucking line snakes on crack the place lost it and all i i mean how could we ever forget so the famous line that pretty much started on the internet when samuel finally says enough is enough i've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane every single human being in that theater Standing ovation, whole place on its feet, cheering, clapping. I remember like Mendy and I had been texting, like we're doing a standing O during the part, right? And I was like, oh yeah, we are. We definitely are up here. And just, I mean, it was in, it was madness. I mean, it was madness. And I'm going to hand it off to Mike at that at this point. Dude, yeah. I mean, so you you said it. It's, this was really the first internet movie, I mean, to the point where they did reshoots just based on crazy internet buzz and feedback. Yep. And everybody knew the epic line before the movie. And it was, I mean, the atmosphere during was insane because like it's it's just, I mean, the it says it in the title, right? This is trying to be a silly B movie. So like 
it's one of those where people were just screaming different things the entire time and like you didn't really mind because it's not like you were missing any serious plot but like you know where the guy gets bit in the dick there was a lot of oh trouser steak oh, you know? uh, when taylor kitsch is in the bathroom with the girl and it bites her like in the nipple i mean it, there's just it was just such a fun movie and what shocked me the most so i rewatched it this week still still epic Wow. Uh, what shocked me the most was seeing that this movie has a 49% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. How is that possible? What? Who saw this movie and got something that they weren't expecting and didn't like it? I, I don't. I have no idea who those people are. What is wrong with you? It's delivered exactly what it was supposed to deliver and nothing else. How Unbelievable. is that? Disrespectful fucking... and I don't like it. Oh That's my god. Bonkers. That said, discovering that you and I saw this movie literally in the same theater <laughs> before we ever met is like discovering that we we're secretly brothers. This is like the most yeah. insane thing yeah. in the ever. world. Okay. And and the ahead. most legendary film of all time. Shout out to our first pod, Dirty Work, uh, where they find out they're actual brothers. Oh yes, I just I just somehow wow. made connections to both of our previous podcasts. Oh Holy shit. Boys, boys, boys! I I have to admit, I'm I I like felt like such an adrenaline high and then an adrenaline dump when I thought somehow we all had the exact same number one, three of us. Oh my god! But it didn't happen, and I was for a moment I was like, uh, okay, I guess not. But that is fine. That is a okay, Justin. I will say I'm shocked this didn't even make it on your list at all. But I know snakes on a plane is near and dear to your heart. And now I have a number one all alone. April 26, 2019. For me, the most epic movie going experience of my life to date Avengers Endgame. I felt like I was in a fucking playoff game in the World Series. I thought it was game seven of the New York Yankees. And that's how I felt in that movie theater. The entire time, I just felt like with each epic moment, it was an eruption, like an, a home run had just been hit for the for the home team, and everyone was going absolutely bonkers. It was the most fun, just like experience that I think in a time where the movie theater experience was like in a bit of a decline. Like if you if you really think back to our lists, I feel like most of our picks are from like kind of 2012 and before or or just around there right and i feel like we hit a time period where the movie theater experience wasn't dying but it definitely was not where it used to be and i just feel like i remember going to avengers endgame and feeling a level of excitement that i had not felt in quite some time and it just what it did for me which i'm so glad it did because as someone who's in the business and in the industry like I obviously want the movie theater experience to last forever, but I couldn't help but admit to myself that there were some movies that I just didn't care to go see in the theater anymore. Now I'll just wait till it comes out um, on streaming or whatever. But when I saw Avengers Endgame, it made me remember that you have to go to the theater because there's nothing like it. There's nothing like that experience that you share with the others. And it was the first time in a long time that I saw a movie and I said, I want to go back again tomorrow. Um, and I just, I, I hope that I have that experience again soon with a movie because 
again, I felt like I went to a freaking playoff game and my team had just won the championships. It was, it was, it was amazing. And I loved everything about it. Brother, first of all, so that sadly is the one that I moved off my list about 30 minutes before we started to fit in Mission Impossible 2. Wow. But I need to say, for most enjoyable, Mike, most enjoyable theater, like most fun I've ever had. Like, obviously, I wanted to get some good stories on this list. Yeah. But after Snakes on a Plane, that's my next, cr- like, most enjoyable, craziest, like, epic theater reactions from people. Like, it is absolutely my very first honorable mention. And you you said it best. We kept saying after it, that felt like a World Series game. Like, yeah. it... Obviously, you had Mad Max Fury Road, another great shout for the past decade. But Avengers Endgame truly, for that true, insane, theater-wide communal experience, everyone's cheering and going nuts. It was the first time in like a decade. And it just, I mean, I'm with you, bro. I will never forget it. Like, the Avengers Assemble line was one of the greatest moments in movie-going history. Like, I truly felt... I had chills. Everyone was going nuts. It was the loudest I've ever heard at theater besides after snakes on a plane for me. And yeah, yeah. it just everything you said too about revitalizing a bit of your faith in the movies and the movie theater. I agree. And that's why I'm so happy that not only do you have it on the list, but that it's number one, because I think it's so important because it's so recent and mm-hmm. I want to say to everyone listening, so you're getting this episode on um, Sunday, May 2nd, but we're recording it on April 26th right now, Holy and shit. that is two years to the day that Avengers Endgame came out and that we saw this film. Yeah, so, and we, we saw it at the Dome, which is now full circle since we started talking about the beginning of the pod, um, and I couldn't imagine watching that anywhere else. No, and just... Oh man, it was the it was the oh, every fucking part. It, it like you said, you said it best. We'll leave it there. World Series crowd. That's what it World felt Series like. Crowd. World Series crowd. And I remember walking to that theater, looking up at the screen, seeing like every single theater was playing it, and everyone was there to see it. It was insane. It was like an, an event. It was like, and and again, it, people go to the movies for an escape. That's why we go to the movies. And it was the ultimate escape for me. And I just, God, it's 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 that feeling that you chase. And I just, I can't wait to uh, to experience it again. I, I, I've, a perfect number one to compliment Mike and I, Snakes on a Plane, because I truly think from Snakes on a Plane in 20, 2006, I think that exact feeling that I was chasing from that. I don't think I got again until 2019 at Avengers Endgame. And what the next one will be, who knows? But Avengers Endgame, I mean, they they were able to tie together 15 years of world yeah. building into the most epic ending to something of all time. So bring it on, whatever the next one is. For sure. What a fucking great number one and great fucking lists all around, everyone. Is this where we do the, the rundown? This is when we do the rundown. So, all right, we're going to recap our lists. Mine, five through one. Alice in Wonderland at number five. Mission Impossible 2. Jackass 3D. Fast Five. And at number one, Snakes on a Plane. 
For me, it is Mad Max Fury Road, Project X, Superbad, The Dark Knight Rises, and Avengers Endgame. I am The Mummy Returns, Anchorman, Hero, Saw 2, and Motherfucking Snakes. <laughs> I'm a motherfucking boy. Yes. Hell yes. Yes. I'm like incredible. And as always, I'm sure we each have a few honorable mentions. Um, Mike, you want to you wanna kick us off? Uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll rapid fire a few of them and just, yeah. uh, uh, movies like we were talking about, like super bad that I thought were just the funniest when I saw them in theaters, Harold and Kumar and Euro trip. Some of my great, greatest comedy experiences of my youth. Euro trips on mine uh, as well. I saw Watchmen completely jet lagged on like spring break <laughs> in Canada in an IMAX theater. And that was just a fantastic experience. Oh my God. And, uh, a couple of. I, I think that, you know, obviously the, the 3D trend has kind of come and gone, but it really did help for some kind of mediocre horror films. Dude. So My Bloody Valentine yes! in 3D. Yes. Did we see that together? Yes, I think we, we might have, right? Yes, we did. And that is on my honorables as well. Best like 3D experience ever. For real. And uh, the Piranha series as well. Oh, so good. Like the, those are truly two of the best uses of 3D that were used. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Um, well, speaking of 3D, if I can just jump into my honorables real quick, I just have three that I can blast off. Avatar is one of them um, because I thought, you know, obviously it was the first, it was the first 3D. It was the, it was the groundbreaking uh, 3D experience. And I, there was so much hype around it. And, and uh, I'll never forget going to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was a big one. Uh, also seeing Interstellar. Um, that was the first movie I saw at the Chinese IMAX, uh, the, the famous Chinese in Hollywood. And I mean, that in IMAX was such a wild, wild ride. Um, so I loved that. And then last but not least, uh, on Christmas day, uh, Justin, you and I saw the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, in 2013. And that's my favorite, um, Martin Scorsese, uh, movie. So, uh, that one always, I, I, I remember is like an, the epic Christmas movie that I saw, um, so yeah, those are my three honorables. Wow, that was that was epic, and and I was there for two of those: Interstellar and Wolf of Wall Street. That's um, correct. Love that wolf shout, and I guess for me, I've got a few more. Uh, Interstellar, I also had on mine, and not only for the one that Dylan and I saw on opening night, but then I went to see it again at the Universal IMAX, and the same thing that happened to me with Fast Five happened to me with interstellar except they couldn't get the 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 print working again because it was a 70 millimeter and they ended up refunding us giving us vouchers and allowing us to go for free it was like the next day and so i had to go back the next day finished it out it was less of a hot less of a like epic thing than when mike had it happen because i had already seen the film so for me i was like showing someone else and i was like for them, it sucked. I forget who it was. It was, it was one of the guys, but for them, it sucked because they had to wait till the next day and they're not as they were. I fucking forget who it was, but whoever it was, was not so into the thought of having to go back again. And so that's just a memorable one because it was sort of a pain in the ass. But uh, then Jackass 2, again, I know it's another Jackass, but those movies are so fun. I'll never forget. I went to see it at the mall, Connecticut, Milford. Went in at like a 
it was like a like a 5 p.m. or something showing. Cried laughing the whole movie, walked out of the movie theater and literally walked out of the door of the theater and ran into my buddy Jim O'Connor and a few other guys who were going in. And I said, you guys are going right now. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to turn around and just come back in and come just see it again. And I just bought another ticket and saw it again right on the spot there <laughs> and ended up seeing it a third time with, I believe it was Kramer, Lauren Rose and Lindsay Bell. If any of you are listening to this, correct me if I'm wrong, but we saw it at like, late on like a random night and we ended up going to a parking lot after in Milford and riding around in shopping carts. And it was That's just epic. one of the only movies I've seen three times in theaters. Um, Snakes on a plane is another one, but uh Anyway, that's on there. Toy Story 3, because I went, me and Lauren Beagler went when we were both living in the city that summer. IMAX at, at uh, the Lincoln uh, Square Theater. One of the best best rooms in the world to watch a movie. 9 a.m. showing, all adults, all crying their eyes out communally at the end was great. Uh, Inception's another one. Just that ending, the whole fucking crowd sold out opening night, went nuts. Uh, Euro Trip, like Mike said, that was one of the first movies. Like Kramer's dad had to had to talk us into being allowed into the theater because we were too young, and they were like, "You do not want these kids to see it." And he was like, "I don't care. Give me the tickets." And I got, you know what? I got to shout out the Entourage movie because Dylan, do you remember this? We well, bought I mean, like we went to 25 tickets. Did you not come? I remember the pre-screening. I, I, I saw the movie, so I imagine I was there. But I just remember the pre-screening because Doug Ellen and, and the boys were there. And I was, I was more psyched about that. Of course. So we got to see an early screening of it, which was incredible. But the when it came out, it was playing in the dome, and we bought—I I believe it was twenty-six tickets. The most. Yeah, no, tickets. I was there. I was there. I yeah. remember that. And we just had a crew. I mean, it was just the most tickets I've ever bought to a movie. So I thought that was cool. Um, all right, gotta give a shout with Mike. Mike and I crank to high voltage at the Fenway Theater. We fucking brought Franzia into the theater in a backpack. <laughs> cut off water bottles halfway and had those as like our Franzia wine glasses for the movie. And we just got fucked up watching Jason Statham be awesome. Was Um, that the first time we saw it or the second time? Wow. That's, that's a good question. I think it might've been the second time. Yeah, I think so too. Um, As you both know, as someone who loves to slap the bag of Franzia, I love everything about that, except the fact that you drank it out of cups. You both should have just been drinking it out of the bag. (laughs) We needed to be somewhat concealing. (laughs) Um, if people saw you drinking a box of wine just from the freaking box oh in my the god. theater in the theater um and then i have two more i have john oh my god i know i know it's outrageous john wick which was epic because till you were at that with me right? i was there i was there q a after with keanu we were in the front row he told a story about that we should do it make a drinking game to john wick and Keanu had he's he's literally exactly how you expect him in real life and and awesome. But like he is thinking it up on the spot and he's like, what should we do every time there's a headshot? And he's like thinking by himself in front of like 800 people. And he just goes, oh, 
tequila and just the place <laughs> erupted and just a very memorable q a and the final honorable mention is one of the strangest movie theater experiences I've ever had in my life and therefore not one of the best. But when Dylan and I were younger, my mom took him to a movie and I forget what movie it was, if I'm being completely honest, but it came out in 2002. <laughs> I will. You know what? Yeah, I think I might remember. Let me just make sure this movie came out. I don't even know. Where we don't, we even, don't know even know. What, what are you <laughs> no, doing? No, 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 no. I know. I know the movie I saw. I don't know what you saw. You son of a bitch. And so, so anyway, Dylan and my mom went to go see a movie, and I went to go see a different movie, which was 2002's Blue Crush. And oh, wow. I went to see Blue Crush. You're going into... so deep on the honor mentions <laughs> right now. You should see me over here. I'm the... <laughs> on the, bro, on the on, it's Seymour Movie Theater. <laughs> Seymour Movie Theater. I'm face palming right now. I'm face palming. Shout out Seymour, though. Yes, shout out Seymour. Shout out Seymour. Shout out Seymour. Shout out Blueberry Slushy Seymour. Yes, Blueberry Slushies, best slushies in the world. Best, best slushies in the world. And anyways, Blue Crush. Kate Bosworth, Michelle Rodriguez, there is not a single other soul in this whole movie theater. I am alone in the theater. I think the only time this ever happened in my life. And like halfway through the movie, this strange guy walks into the theater and literally, bro, just stands like five feet down the hallway, like into the theater. And like, I'm like ducking down in my seat, like, oh, I hope this. He looked strange, strange guy, just sort of standing there watching, stands there for like five full minutes and then just turns around and walks out. And I'm just like, what the fuck just happened? I was young, 2002. I think I was I was about to turn 13. And anyways, I watched the movie. I mean, it was fine, but, you know, little little surf film. But uh, it was just one of the strangest experiences in my life. And I remember the only time I ever sort of felt, you know, especially in the younger ages, a, a bit frightened for a moment in the theater. So I'll leave you on that weird one, but strange, honorable to leave on, I guess, but fuck it, fuck it, fuck but, but it. On fuck that it. note though, how, how do you feel when it's like two minutes before the movie's going to start and you're the only one in the theater Oh. And then that one fucking person walks in and sits down. You're like, you motherfucker. Crushes you. I think you. I've only I think I've probably only done it once where I've been been all alone, maybe twice ever. It's it's such a rarity. It's a beautiful yeah. experience. And someone too. always walks in. I realized I've had, I actually had one more uh <laughs> not one more honorable, but I did have a second experience with just me in the theater, and it was awesome. I just kept switching seats the whole time because why not? Um yeah, classic. But Blue Crush, Blue fucking Crush, guys. So top movie theater experiences. What a fucking ep, boys. We almost lost it. Saved it. <sighs> we almost lost it, saved it. Just like, you know, people thought we, you know, almost lost the movie going experience. But uh, how about we uh, how about we bring that back too when uh, when this pandemic finally subsides and safe for us all to go yeah let's bring it back everyone hopefully you know is on track to getting their vaccinations and you know i hope both the u.s and the uk and the rest of the world are are on a good track very soon and it's uh 
sounds like for the states it might the doors might blow open with fast nine so june 25th i'm crossing my fingers that we get a big theater turnout once again anyways it's still it's been a pleasure as usual and hey if you want to be the first guest back four times you know you gotta gotta fucking step it up bro yeah well pleasure as always uh thanks for having me boys and uh i'll be back soon enough yes you will and until then let us have zach's beautiful voice lead us out of here good night everyone Top fives and deep dives with how to PTM. Top fives and deep dives with how to PTM. Top fives and deep dives with how to PTM. Top fives and deep dives with how to PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantonius. I can't help it.